Welcome to Dramas with a Side of Kimchi for our first cozy podcast. What's a cozy podcast, you might ask? Well, it's when a few of us team up to bring you content that hopefully feels like you're joining us as we have a nice little chat. I'm K-Drama Jen. And I'm Drama Geek. Today we're discussing the movie Crazy Rich Asians. We are joined by two special guests. Mike is usually behind the scenes making the podcast sound all pretty. But since he went to the movie with me, he is here to chat with us along with... Sean. He's usually keeping the kids quiet and making sure life runs smoothly while I'm chatting dramas with my friends. But since we went on a double date recently with Drama Geek and Mike, we decided to podcast together. Okay, we live on opposite sides of the country, but we saw the movie at the same time, so it kind of counts. It was funny. It wasn't even planned. We just kind of, we were like, I'm going to Crazy Rich Asians. I was about to start in 15 minutes. And you're like, hey, I am too. It was... I'm in the theater. Exactly. It was was fun. So um, I guess let's get started. So you guys were texting in the movie theater. You know, that's like totally not okay, right? (laughs) It, it wasn't was during the movie. Okay. It was before the movie. They they advertised that a lot. <laughs> it was before. <laughs> okay. So um, we're going to try to to have a little bit of structure to it, but also we're trying for cozy, so it might get uh, a little bit just kind of wandering around. Um, but we're going to start with the fo- first, the most memorable scenes or characters. Mike, I already know the answer to most memorable character. I mean... <laughs> Because of the actress. Uh, yeah, I will say that, but... Okay, so I had two. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to say two. So, Eleanor the mom, who is played by Michelle Yeoh. I just love her in general. She's awesome. So, I mean, she was in every badass kung fu movie that was a major international hit in, as the female lead for a long time, since Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon on. Um. So, yeah. What? Really? You no, didn't yes. know that? that? No, that, she's a badass. Absolutely, you got yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's a total badass. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of the mom, and it was very cool to see her in a role where she wasn't wielding a sword or stabbing baddies, but, but just as badass. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was scary <laughs> as hell. So that was cool. Um, and then Aquafina's character, um, Peak or yeah, Peak, I think is what her first yeah, name is. Yeah, Peaklin. So she was hilarious and I could have had her in nearly every scene and been very, very happy. She was totally my favorite too. So yeah. I'll just jump in even though <laughs> Carrie, Carrie's not here to yell at us <laughs> out of order. So I'll just say that a hundred percent agree with the Picklin uh, character. She was, she just, I loved how she brought um, just that little bit of like comic relief when we needed it. And, um, okay, my very, very favorite scene was the, uh, the bok bok bitches. And I have just sort of internalized that. And now I think that all the time when I'm in a bad situation and I really want to say that. Jen and I are texting or messaging back and forth and we're like, okay, I think it deserves a bok bok. So you guys, Aquafina's character, she's definitely the... Uh, comic relief but i also like the cousin is he a cousin I, and you have the you have the list yeah i've got of people, the list in front of me the yeah the cousin that... oh yeah 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 he was oh, oh, oh he that's um cousin oliver played by nico santos mm-hmm. oh, i really yeah. liked his character he was again comic relief but also kind of a it was weird because he was like the a normal side of the family 
even yeah. though he was kind of not normal. But and then I also loved um, Astrid. She yeah. is just um, mesmerizing. She's just so yeah. beautiful. The actress yeah. that plays her is just so gorgeous. And I really liked her character. And I hope that the teaser at the end does mean that she gets her own story. So I want to just add one more thing to Aquafina and to um, Nico Santos, cousin Oliver. So those two kind of, for me, added that American to the Asian American experience mm. in the movie in a lot of ways. Like they added a lot of cultural nuance and pop culture U.S. references that otherwise would have been missing from the movie. So I think they helped tie in and bring together a bigger audience. That's a really good point. Yeah. I think um, Ken Jeong's character, um, you know, is Peeklin's father, you know, sort of connecting oh to American audiences, um, you know, from The Hangover, right. you know, sort of yeah. his, his, you know. Um, and I love the, I, I really love the scene where he's just hamming up the whole, uh, you know, not speaking English well when they, when he, when they first meet her. Um, that was just, brilliant. You know, <laughs> just the look on her face, uh, you know, how, how is she supposed to respond to that was, was pretty funny. He, he's always, <laughs> he's always really good. Um, at, at any, although he plays a little bit of that type of role in, in most of the, the movies I've seen him in. The funnier kind of definitely comic yeah. relief. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always enjoyable. And it, they made a really good, the father, daughter, like they were really good together. Those two, the, the, the you know, both comedy actors. Yeah. Great. The, the whole, the sequence where he's talking about like, like this is the gold standard and you don't want to have none of those skinny K-pop girls and like eat your chicken nuggets. You, you, there are plenty of starving children in America. Like all of that whole sequence was like amazing and hilarious. Um, yeah. And another comedian that I super love uh, and have watched on the daily show for oh a gosh. really, really, really long time. Yes, um, yes. Was, yeah. was Ronnie Chang as the, one of the brother or the brother. Yeah. He um, pops up and I'm just, like, Oh my, She's where he's this? like optimum angles and like makes them all stand perfectly still in every photo and stuff it was just like awesome um he he was so great in that and i, I remember watching um on his because he recently left the daily show his last episode of the daily show they talked about crazy rich agent asians um and him and trevor noah were commenting on how like trevor was like oh yeah he said he was gonna go do this movie and like it might not be any big deal you know Nobody knew how it would turn out. So he was like, I might need three months off work. I got to go do this, this little movie. And then he was like, you didn't tell me that you were going to be in the Asian Black Panther. Like, this is a <laughs> gigantic deal. And he's like, well. So, yeah, that was all pretty great. That's great. And there were also a lot of really memorable visuals. So, um, like, for example, and I, I see that Sean's going to talk about it. So, Sean. Why don't you add what you were going to say about the visuals? The visuals were, you know, really amazing. The architecture and, and the, you know, the natural beauty. I think they kept going back, like, as they were driving places, when they arrived to the airport, they kept focusing um, on the, uh, the three uh, large buildings with the, with the sort of island on top of them. Um, and that's, that's a building called the Marina Bay Sands. Um, and... It you know, the, you know the the 
the movie ends with them there and it's almost like they were foreshadowing getting to that point. Um, and obviously it's a very stunning um, part of the, the, the skyline there. So that was just, that was really beautiful, I thought. Um, we're going there for our anniversary, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, 30, 30th or 40th anniversary, something like that. <laughs> One of them. Mm-hmm. Stick around long enough, you'll find out. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I think uh, the other thing that was really interesting, and you know, Drama Geek and I watch <clears throat> maybe a few dramas here and there, so we are familiar with a lot of the tropes. And so I was curious, uh, especially to hear if you noticed, Sean and Mike, if you noticed certain tropes as you were watching. Well, to me, the biggest trope in any romantic comedy is the, all right, we've got 30 minutes left in the film. Let's break them up. <laughs> um, that is the ultimate, like, I don't care what culture it is, romantic comedy trope, whether it's like two episodes left in the K-drama or right. three 30 minutes left in the movie or wherever it is, it's like everything's going really well and you can't possibly have these people, um, you know, end nicely. We have to add more comedy and the best way to do that is gigantic misunderstanding. So insert gigantic misunderstanding here. And in this case, it, the thing I liked is at least it wasn't the really crummy trope gigantic misunderstanding. It was like, like, willful interference by maniacal family um, <laughs> and and so you know it, you know private investigators and snooping and big secrets that no one knew about and then the moment where the the movie wants you to think the whole way through that grandma's gonna stick up for the new girl yes um, i totally and the thought whole she time, was going and then, to and then at the end it's like no nah, grandma's like um take that you don't belong here and it was nice to meet you but um let me know when the you know heiress to whatever blah shows up and he can marry her yeah that was a good nice twist yeah, I was not expecting that. I thought, oh, she's got the grandma in her corner. It's all good. And then, you know, and then the, the, the rug comes from out from under her. So. Was there any tropes that you caught, Sean? Do you, have you watched any dramas with, with Jen? I have watched a few. That's um, what I thought. And I think, My- I think the... The general setup, um, this is sort of like the, you know, the rich son who's going to be the heir, the Chebal, um, you know, kind of scenario. It's, it, and right, that's pretty common where, where the, the love interest is usually, you know, doesn't come from a, a rich family, works hard, you know, you know, makes it on their own, that kind of stuff. And this sort of the, the, the foil to, you know, that they're, they're going to do anything just because, um, just because he's he's rich or or has influence, although she didn't know it, um, which was a little bit of a twist. Um, although I think that's actually kind of common too, right? Usually, uh, in a lot of um, a lot of dramas, that first introduction, they don't always know that that the the male lead is is as famous or influential as rich, um, you know, and, and until until a little bit later. Um, yeah, I think that's and, really. And they common. often use that for for. Yeah, for comedic, you know, they often use that's often used for comedic purposes, right? As well. Um, well, usually but, she's the girl that fell in love with him without knowing 
what he had to offer. And so that's like, you know, I probably can name 50 different And then he dramas. kidnaps her and takes her and gives her a makeover. Oh, wait. <laughs> that's right. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> boys over flowers, not one of my favorite at all. And that scene is like not one of my favorites. So but. you weren't talking about 90s coming of age films with no, that because no. that was basically she's all that as well. But exactly. <laughs> No, he t- he really does in the Korean version. He kidnaps her, yeah, or his not him. He wouldn't do it personally. He's too rich for that. But his like butler people, like they go and kidnap her, and then she wakes up and she's getting a makeover. But um, that's a little creepy. <laughs> it's really creepy. <laughs> so the table um, scenario is so common that I, when you're reading the description of another drama that's coming out, you almost like roll your eyes because. That's just the, that's the common setup. And I found it interesting. I actually listened to, I didn't get to finish it, but I listened to an interview with the author of the book, Crazy Rich Asians. And um, he was saying that when he lived in Singapore, that sitting in front of the TV watching, he called them soap operas, um, with his grandma was one of the things that he did a lot. So the setup of that whole like super rich male um, lead versus the poor, which I was very appreciative that she was intelligent. Yes, because that's not always the case. Yeah, with usually dumb and, stuff. and poor. Unfortunately, yeah. they've gotten away from that as uh, more. But there was a period of time where I'm like, okay, I just can't watch, you know, Playful Kiss and all Playful of those Kiss. Things off, absolutely. So, and I'm like, nope, can't watch it. But you know, she's intelligent. Um, no, she doesn't have. No, a she lot outsmarted of money. all of them. Yeah, but I mean, she's got a college degree, so you know, I that was I was appreciate that, but that the setup of it was um, part of his his you know watching a lot of that stuff when he was growing up. So, I and there were that. just so many like, of course, the the mother in law who will pay off the you know candy girl, um, right? So, and that's you know that was what uh, Pickling a million, brought up. A million dollars? She'll write that check. Yeah. Ten yeah. million dollars? No, no. I'm pretty sure she'll write that check. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, we do that, you know. So right. I, I thought that that was really funny because you know if you weren't somebody who watched a lot of Korean dramas, you might not pick up that reference. But it's especially in the older ones, like the Mokjong ones. It's so so common. Uh, so I, I really appreciated that as well. I agree. Well, and having the um, second lead female, which, you know, she wasn't necessarily a second lead, but like the ex-girlfriend or whatever, having that um, in the picture was definitely a trope, you know, having her um, terrorize the female lead and yeah. and trying to you know, scare her away and, and everything. That's definitely a, a trope of, of dramas and stuff. I was waiting for an airport scene, but we did get an airplane scene. So we did. You know. There was no running through the airport. Right. But yeah. there... <laughs> I, I do want to say about that scene where they're terrorizing the the um, uh, terrorizing her to try to get her to break up. Right. So I was looking through pictures, and Astrid, the mm. the uh, sister, uh, they mentioned earlier in the film that blue and white are funeral colors, and then in that sequence where they're burying the fish. And talking about her dying marriage, Astrid is wearing a a white and blue striped shirt. So, like, they really were thinking about everything all the way through the film. And so, I think the drama or the movie had a lot of drama tropes, but I also feel like the um, writer 
incorporated a lot of things that were were Asian American side of it. A lot of the conversations between, um, and I can't believe I can't remember her name. The what the the main. Rachel Wu is the character. Const- Rachel, or, okay. Rachel Chu. Rachel Chu. Constance Wu yeah. is the actress. <laughs> so, so Rachel and her best friend, um, that the conversations they had, uh, you know, just referencing bananas and the and having that reference in there, or um, just a lot of that being implemented, or the scene that you're talking about with the broken English, or they really bringing in kind of not just Asian tr- drama tropes, but also a lot of uh, American Hollywood, uh, like comedy tropes as well, right? Like comedy yeah. tropes, but also speaking on like how Asians are usually portrayed, in yeah, dramas, totally. how it feels to be Korean, you know, Asian American, all that kind of stuff. I, I found it they did a really good job of all of that. That Asian American experience, I so I saw this with Sean, uh, at the theater, and then I went again with our daughter who is Korean. And it was a different experience, obviously, but mm-hmm. her reaction was really interesting because she really, really wanted to go see this. And it's her friends have been talking about this as uh, a show that, you know, that's in the theater. And so I think that for her, it was it had different meaning because this is really the first time that she's seen an all Asian cast on the big screen that her friends are talking about. It's probably right. why she has, you know, RM as her lock screen when she's not necessarily a BTS fan. But, you know, it's it's one of those, um, it was a, we had some really great conversations because, you know, she's been dealing with a lot of things like when North Korea is in the news, uh, she gets a lot of um, people asking her questions and, you know, oh, are you from North Korea? Is Kim Jong-un your dad? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and, which yeah. is awful, right? But yeah. This was really kind of interesting to see how how proud she was that there was something in the theater that really kind of like there were people on the screen that looked like her. And she's used to seeing that on her home screens because, you know, mom watches a lot of drama, but not necessarily out there where her friends are talking about it. Right. That has to be a <clears throat> completely different. And in English, too, like having not just like. Right where everybody kind of, because again, subtitles can make it to where a lot of people don't want to have access to that or just don't want to do the subtitles. And so having it Hollywood movie on the screen, everybody speaking English and there are American um, characters, you know, in the, in the, the movie, it had to been a really great experience to be able to see that. And that's, I think Mike earlier was referencing it as the Asian Black Panther. And that's kind of, um, for the, the record, I've heard many of the cast members use that right. term. Right, yeah, the like, cast Use that reference. So, yeah. So, um, I guess the next thing on our list, what were our overall impressions? I will go first. Since there's <laughs> there's no list of who's supposed to talk first, what we're going to do. Anyway, um, for me, I felt like the... There, it, there's a bunch of different things um, that are interesting to me about the movie. One, it it was definitely your standard rom com, just like he was saying it towards the end of the movie. They, you know, they broke up and then they had they get back together and there's the big scene. And but I think that um, rom coms have kind of not been very popular, and that it's really nice to see something that um, is funny and the cast being not all white 
that, you know, that's another aspect of it that makes it great. And it was just plain fun. Like it was mm-hmm. funny. There was some great um, visual scenes. And like uh, we were talking about earlier, just the, um, the female to see Singapore and everything. But for me, it was just fun. It was so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'll jump in because um, I can see her. And, <laughs> and if I stop talking, then you guys know it's not going to be either of us. So, um, yeah, I will have to say from from the husband guy perspective that it was the first rom-com I've seen in pushing 15 to 20 years that I've truly, really liked and would watch again, with the exception of... Um, that Mia Kunis, Justin Timberlake one. I really like that one. Um, and he's not afraid of rom-coms. It's no, not no. like he doesn't like them or anything. It's just that he's most not, of them, it, it really is like that trope that I mentioned at the at the end, the, the 30 minutes before the end, let's do a stupid breakup, is usually so bad that that is enough for me to be like, I don't even want to finish this movie. You know, know and, and think about it with dramas where we have oh, to go through many, many episodes. Oh, <laughs> Okay, Especially Chinese dramas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's like, oh, what, 50 episodes oh long? Gosh, Just kidding. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, that alone is usually enough for me to be like, rom-com, I'll pass. Um, and I will confess that if it wasn't for the uh, cultural significance and using my dollars as a, you know, white male um, to impact... Hollywood's decision-making capacity to make more films like this, I probably wouldn't have saw it if it didn't have, you know, the cast of all Asians. And the, like, if this was crazy rich white people, I really <laughs> would not I think I've have seen, seen that I mean, one. We've, we've all seen that movie enough times and, and I can pass on that rom-com, but like the, the, the care that went into this film, just like I was talking about from costuming and, and as, as, um, what's Sean, Sean, as Sean was mentioning, (laughs) um, you know, the architecture, the cinematography, the, the landscape shots, you know, the, the, the level of care that went into a film that was like, you know, even the director, I heard him talking about it was like, we don't know when we're going to get another chance like this. So we really got to make the most out of it. Right. Like that attitude was really apparent through the whole film that they were not messing around and they wanted a great movie. And it would, it's rare for me to consider a rom-com a work of art, but I would totally classify Mm. this in that category. Like it was really, really good. Moving right along. So Jed? <laughs> I I have clearly written out now after Mike Sean's name. So So I guess that's my cue. That's your so, cue. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um I really liked that they didn't feel like they had to explain everything to the audience. Um that they knew that there were gonna be pieces of it that, you know, uh, that that may be a, a little bit new or or unique, um, you know the the mahjong game, mm. uh, you know th- they did enough with that so that you 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 had a sense of what happened, but but they didn't feel the need to, you know. And it, there's some great articles um, where they interview um, you know the director and and he explains in a lot more detail uh, what the significance of that scene is if you understand the game. But even if you didn't, you know you don't understand it. 
um, you get the sense, but they didn't they didn't explain have to explain every little piece, uh, which is sometimes sometimes happens uh, in in some some movies, and you just it just for me that's pretty um, that's pretty irritating. And I thought this was a really nice um, nice movie uh, that that you know just it was so well put together that they didn't really have to do that. Um, you know, obviously the diverse cast, um, the 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 settings. Um, the music. I thought that the yeah. soundtrack was totally was amazing for oh, this. Oh man, on point. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. This, totally. The music, <laughs> yeah. the music sucked me in from the very mm. beginning. Like you know, right from the yeah. right from the you know the introductory uh, scenes and 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 soundtrack and songs and just all throughout it, they just how they placed it, the kind of music they used, the 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 combination of. Um, and, and if you're used to listening to, you know, say K-pop, the sort of the combination of English and, and uh, in this case, chi mostly Chinese lyrics, um, you know, just, uh, but I thought that was so well done, uh, fantastic. Um, you know, the, the reworking of the song uh, Yellow. Um, yeah, which that was, was a, so great. Yeah, that was, that was really amazing. And I thought that was really nicely done. Um, and again, there is... Um, there's a nice um, article uh, where the director talks about how initially Coldplay didn't want to to use that song, didn't you know, didn't want to give permission to use that song because of their fear that the connotation of yellow in an Asian film would mm -hmm. be a negative, um, you know, a negative uh, image or negative impression. And sort of the director saying, no, no, we're turning that around, we're turning it on its head and saying, no, this is because the if you listen to the to the original song. Um, it's really about, you know, uh, strength and beauty and a lot of a lot of those things. And there, it's sort of we're going to own this uh, from this version. I thought that was really nice. So. Yeah. Hey, Sean. So in that sequence as well, too. That I mean, yellow the the chorus and that that intro lyric uh, of talking about look at the stars, how they shine for you. Where they placed that was at an image where I can't remember if it was like it wasn't during the wedding, but it was at a point where there were stars and and sparkly things like going on in the scene as well yeah. so it was it was really tied together um quite nicely like if you knew the english words as well even without knowing it and to your point about not feeling the need to explain everything if you notice there were certain chinese phrases every so often throughout the film that they did not subtitle and i actually thought that was pretty great even though i have no idea what the heck they said but that was a cultural reference that wasn't for me unless I'm ready to dive further into the culture. That's yeah, really that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that because so Sean and I've taken like five years of Chinese. And so mm -hmm. the Chinese was basic enough that we we understood what they were saying. So it never even occurred to me that they weren't like yeah, I'm not that. sure if it was during the Cantonese parts or it was the Mandarin that they weren't subbing yeah, it. But I... there were a couple sequences where yeah. where there were not subtitles for just a handful of phrases hmm. that were definitely meant to leave certain portions of the audience in the dark unless you're ready to, you know, seek that out. And that was the director, because I think all of us, obviously, we all have like read uh, directors, articles and stuff. But I think that was the director's intention. They intentionally did not explain things mm -hmm. for that purpose. So, so we can we will definitely link those articles in the right. show notes. Yeah, we, yeah. It, the NPR interview they did as well with Terry Gross was 
pretty good. The uh, director did a great interview on Fresh Air with him. Cool. We'll, in, we'll link those. Great. So thank you to Sean and to Mike for joining us today. I hope everybody enjoyed our cozy podcast. And thanks again for supporting our latest endeavor. Feel free to send us your thoughts and feelings about the podcast. We read every blog comment and Facebook comment. They're also great places to leave suggestions for future topics. We'd love to hear from our readers and our listeners. We'd also love if you could leave a rating and a review for us on iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts. It's a great uh, way to let our people uh, let other people know just how awesome we are and definitely not part of our ultimate plan to conquer the world. Don't forget that we have exclusive content available through Patreon. Come join us for extras from podcasts that ran too long and our once a month Patreon exclusives. We'll include the link in our show notes.